Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, it's me, Andy J. Miller, and before we jump into this episode, I wanted to fill you in on some new fantastic news. We are going to be the one of the media sponsors for Icon Conference this summer in Austin in July, and I am stoked out of my mind about it because last time, uh, 2014, they were in Portland and I went, I stayed with my good buddy Will Bryant, we had a good old time. I met some of my best friends, actually, at that conference and greatest uh, business contacts. It was a fantastic time. I loved that conference so much. I highly suggest, as a media sponsor, but also just as a person, that you go check it out if you're an illustrator or designer. The, the lineup is phenomenal. Uh, some of my favorite people are going to be there. Jim Carell, uh, she's amazing. Jessica Hish. Kyle T. Webster, the guest of this show, uh, Ping Zhu. Uh, there are some phenomenal art directors there, all kinds of great stuff. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be interviewing people there, but I wanted to give you a heads up. There's still some tickets. Go to the illustrationconference.org and go book your place now. Um, you are not going to regret it, and I will keep you up to date with Icon News as we go. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Icon, and uh, here's the one of my all-time favorite shows with Kyle T. Webster. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, it's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. 
got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, finding the balance between thriving financially and being creatively fulfilled. So making good money, making great art. I'm your host, Andy J. Miller. Illustration Age is our proud syndicate. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash Talk on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, let's do some show stuff now. So today on the show, we have Kyle T. Webster of KyleTWebster.com and KyleBrush.com. You may have heard of that. If you know how to draw, you probably know Kyle's name because he makes these fantastic Photoshop brushes, the most renowned brushes in the biz. We have a long, old-fashioned, long-form chat together, and I had an absolute blast listening back through this. Um, There are so many amazing things that he brought to the table, and this was um, one of my favorite conversations I've had in a long time. Thank you so much, Kyle, for being on the show. It was a pleasure interviewing you, and I know that my listeners are going to get a ton from this. You are fantastic. I love what you're doing. I love the uh, positivity and the wisdom and just the generosity that you bring to the industry. You know, I, I think Kyle always brings a great sense of anatomy and, draw, and drawing skills to everything that he makes, and he brings a real high level of excellence and quality to the digital brushes that he creates. And I just think generally, um, he is a really fantastic voice in the industry that um, is just a force for good. And so thank you, Kyle, for being on the show. Uh, I'm sure everybody is going to just love this episode. Go check out Kyle's work and his brushes and get on with that. Thank you guys so much for the new Patreon backers. Uh, That means so much to me. You guys are fantastic. And uh, thank you so much for the iTunes reviews. That's how people find the show. If you haven't reviewed the show on iTunes, it really will take you like... 30 seconds and it massively helps the show grow so um, just go to iTunes and rate it 
I super appreciate it. Let's get on with this fantastic interview with the one and only Kyle T. Webster. So I'm here with Kyle Webster. He is the brush master and a fantastic illustrator. Um, I'm, I guarantee all of the listeners already know about who he is and have already paid him some of their money and, uh, <laughs> and is using his fantastic brushes. Today, I want to talk about uh, leveling up your freelance career and kind of going beyond the working project to project, letting people own your time, and really expanding your view and the way that i looked at it are you a zelda fan oh yeah okay i mean old the old stuff, old stuff, I mean. old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> i'm talking about the true stuff uh like i yeah. i like the super nintendo one that was my favorite I, the dark world you, did you yes. like that? did you play that one uh and so i didn't have the super nintendo i had to play it on a friend's house not well all right well i had some <laughs> long nights on that one that was like one of my favorite games <laughs> but uh the way that i kind of viewed this was you know as you're playing the game, you're, you get better at defeating enemies. And like as the bosses get harder, you get a little bit better. But at some point, you hit a, hit a wall where it's time, you have to level up your sword. Like the old sword yeah. from the beginning of the game isn't cutting it anymore. You get the master sword, and all of a sudden those enemies that took three chops only take one. And I think some of the things that um, I see you doing – uh, and obviously, I only have like a secondhand perspective, but from what I can see, it really the, some of these things are game changers, and that's kind of the stuff I want to talk about. So does that sound okay? Yeah, cool. All right, man. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's jump into here. So the first thing I want to talk about is this idea of going from thinking of yourself as a freelancer to thinking of yourself more like a small business, and. Uh, I don't know if that strikes a chord for you, but there came a time for me where I started to tell people, someone would come to me and say, hey, we want to, what's your day rate? And I would say, no, thank you. I don't <laughs> and it's not, that, it's not that you can't do day rates, but what I would try to say is I've come to a place where I'm like, all the things I do on a daily basis, I do so many different things, I can't just bill you my time. I can't just be like, yeah, I'll give right. you the next two weeks. I have so many things going to keep everything working uh, at a high level that I can't just do that. What Have you had any experience with that? Do you see yourself uh, as a freelancer or more like a small business? No, I'm a small business. Yeah. Um, and that transition occurred probably when um, I made some iPhone games. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that story. Just, what, what bring me to that story? In 2009, I made an iPhone game just on a kind of on a whim. I, well, I, I mean, I'd seen some games and I just thought I could do one, and I decided to just go for it. And I didn't know how to make games, but I just read really quickly some stuff online like how do you make a game, and I didn't want to bother learning Xcode or whatever. And I, uh, so I came up with an idea for a game. I designed it, created the graphics assets, and then I went on Twitter and just asked, "Hey, is anybody out there want to help me complete and submit a game to Apple?" Yeah. And this really great guy uh, got, who got in touch with me, um, he and I became partners on it, and um, we submitted the game. And this was, you know, when there weren't that many games in the store, it wasn't that crowded. Yep. And it got featured by Apple, and I made a really good income from it in like a month, you know, more than I would have made in probably five or six months mm-hmm. just doing regular freelance work. So all of a sudden, I was thinking, and then people started asking me to make games, 
you know? Yeah. Even though I was an illustrator. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just say yes to all that stuff, and I'll have Dennis Hennessy, my the business partner with that stuff. We'll just work as a team and uh, take these new jobs on, and I'll become not just an illustrator, but I'm also making games. And then, yeah. um, you know, so all of a sudden I felt like, uh, you know, because the, and, and then right after that happened, I was, you know, getting asked by people, you know, when you go meet someone for the first time, what do you do for a living? Yeah. And I used to always say, I'm an illustrator. And instead I said, well, I do a couple things. Mm. And then as soon as I said that, I started changing my answer shortly thereafter and said, um, uh, I'm a creative professional and I do a lot of different things for a lot of different people. It's a longer answer, but it sounded more kind of like, I don't know, it was more accurate. Yeah, yeah. So, the problem with that was it also sounded a little wishy-washy. Right. <laughs> didn't have specificity, so, and people didn't maybe know exactly you know, what you meant yeah. by that. Yeah. Yeah, so like, I don't know, lately if I get that question, my answer is always, I say it's really hard to, to answer that question. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I say, generally speaking, I'm a commercial artist. Yeah. That's the term I, don't I know. use. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think it so does the best that. trick. Um, so was yeah. there a... Was there a big difference between the, the the person before you made the game and then the person after the way that you perceived your career, the perceived yeah. the potential of the future? So what was the, what's the what what's the difference between the old you and the in the new you through that experience? Well, the biggest difference was that it was the first time that I had an idea that generated a bunch of money for me, yeah. where I was on my own time making it in my own time. I, I had the idea for it. I made it happen, and then it just became this income-generating uh, project. So um, that's when I switched gears and started thinking about other things I could do that would work in that same way. Um, yeah. And that was when, I, yeah, so I started seeing it more as like, you know, I have a brand, and mm. this brand can do whatever I want it to do. Yeah. I just have to decide what it is and I then th- make it happen. I think one of the things that's really interesting, and it was true for me is that the same qualities that it takes to start an illustration career for, uh, or there are a lot of similar qualities that you can actually bring those same strategies to all kinds of different sub things different things that are almost closely related but i think often it's just a limiting belief of i'm an illustrator so i don't do those things did, did you have any struggle um go like publishing that game was there any internal struggle going on no but the reason for that is that i was before i was an illustrator uh, as a freelancer you know i worked at a graphic design firm for four and a half years and before that i worked as a web designer for about three years so yeah i had done these other things and i and especially when i was i mean the web design thing was you know you do web design it's kind of limiting at least it was at the time yeah yeah but working as a designer, um, I had to do all kinds of stuff. I was editing photos. I was going to photo shoots. I was, uh, you know, working with uh, motion graphics. I yeah. was doing, uh, you know, I was doing so tons of uh, branding and identity design, you know, mm-hmm. and then also doing illustration. So wearing all those hats and then and then going out and becoming a freelance illustrator and then also expanding. And even when I was just being an illustrator, so to speak, I was doing uh, logo stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So... It, it was not a big leap or stretch to then start doing games and then start to slowly build out the range of services that I could uh, confidently offer to people. I just had to go out there and start announcing that I could do those things, yeah. you know? Was that a challenge or uh, not to announce? Well, yeah, because it, that was. I mean, I, people still don't 
people still don't really come to me very often for any design work because I don't yeah. advertise it very well. Yeah. Um, but I can design the hell out of a logo. I mean, I've done hundreds and hundreds of logos. I feel really confident about my logo work. Yeah. I just don't advertise it, and I probably should mm. because I really enjoy it too. Um, yeah. I just don't know how to because I, you know, I have friends who are designers, and that's they do ninety nine percent like that kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so they're known for it, and they're in different circles, and I'm not really in there, so I don't know. So uh, was that the your 20s when you were working at these different places and, and kind of cross-pollinating throughout these different uh, markets and all that? Is that 20s? In your 20s? Let's see. I was um, – yeah, because I quit, I quit my job to start this business when I was 28. Yeah. So, or was it 20, 20, 29? Yeah. Yeah. So – that's what it was, yeah. One of the things that uh, I think is really interesting, um, if you go to that Steve Jobs commencement speech that he did for, I want to say it was Stanford. Did you ever watch that? Yeah, I think I did. That was like, what, four or five years ago? Yeah, there's there's some good stuff on there. And one of the things he talks about is that, uh, especially early on, you have to kind of have the faith to explore what's in front of you, what's interesting to you, and just let your curiosities kind of go. And I think one of the things I notice um, teaching undergrad is that they feel this immense pressure to have everything figured out by the time they leave, uh, walk off the stage at graduation. And I think, yeah. um, you know, I'm this is my last year in my 20s, and so what I feel like, especially looking back at the first part it was all kinds of random stuff that I was doing that, um, like letting my curiosity go. Like for instance, in college and right after college, I was making a bunch of really terrible, uh, rap music on GarageBand. And, uh, cool. Yeah. So I'm a little familiar uh, with that. I made a, I made a little something back in, I'm going to get, well, to anyway, that. you can, let's, let's not, you can look it up. Surprise. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> your gangster moment, but, uh, Oh, no, you do know about it. I do know about it. Uh, uh, But, you know, messing around with GarageBand, I spent so much time on there, and it made the transition to doing podcasting really easy. But I would have never saw that coming, you know? And so I just find it interesting that all these skills that you developed from going around to these different places made it so that you had the base knowledge to jump into some different things. And so, you know, I think it's an an interesting thing um, early on maybe to be a little bit open to, like, where that path goes yeah. and explore all these different things. Um, I think the key there is is um, being a curious person, and um, I think that's not something you can teach. Mm-hmm. And I, I get a little worried about that because mm. I have some students come in when I'm in my when I'm in the classroom, and um, I don't get that sense from them that they have that curiosity that mm. you kind of need to succeed. I really think it's the kind of thing that because you're curious, you always take things one step farther because you want to learn a little more about something. Yeah. And um, a lot of my students come in, they do the assignment that's that they're given and they never push it. They never do anything more with it. They never ask questions huh. about it. It's like that movie Office Space where Jennifer Aniston's character that yeah. Mike Judge is her boss and it's like, uh, what do you think about people that only do the bare minimum, yeah. you know? And um, it's not yeah. like – I'm not equating like doing the bare minimum of laziness. I'm just equating it with a lack of curiosity. It's like a you, zest for life. And I think right. it's actually one of my biggest pet peeves about teaching undergrads is that – for me, I, I think I had it before I went to college because um, 
I had a real sense. I'm that, sure you did. <laughs> yeah, I, but I didn't yeah, in high I'm school. Sure. I didn't in high school. I, yeah. I, I was just no, totally sure. apathetic yeah. in high school, and I think I just realized um, I found a love of something that I really loved, uh, which was making art, and I also knew that a it was going to be super hard, and b that if it didn't work out. I was going to I was going to hate whatever else I had to do. Like I didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to do that and I knew it was going to be difficult. And so I think even in college I had some serious passion. Um but I feel like a lot of the kids that haven't really felt any I don't know. They don't they don't feel the real life coming or they they don't understand the gravity of tr- trying to thrive as a commercial artist in the long term and I don't know. Sometimes I think or I hear people say sometimes Oh, you know, it's important to suffer or to have a lack of uh, resources when you're a kid yeah, yeah. so that you want it more badly. But, um, but you know, I had a great childhood, and yeah. I, I, I didn't want for anything, so I'm not sure where that curiosity came from. It's like I remember being seven or eight years old yep. and just seeing all I saw was one origami bird, and I was like, oh, I would have learned how to do that. And, yep. and then getting origami books from the little kid's library there, and then making sure I learned it until I could make a bunch of origami. And then after that, I was like, okay, move on. Now I learned origami. Now what? And like always wanting to just learn these little things, whether or not they were practical or yeah. at the time or, or even they weren't, but they actually turned out to be later. Those, all those little activities made it possible for me to quickly grow my business in different directions, I think, because it's all still coming from that same place mm. of curiosity or... or um, Maybe it's also just this this need to kind of want to be able to do things other people can do. I don't know if that's like a weird needy thing or a jealousy thing. I don't even know what that is. I do know that early on I had a thing where – and I equate any any drawing power that I have definitely came from jealousy of like I saw my my cousin see – draw these Ninja Turtles and I was like, man, I got – I have to be able to do that. And I remember – first grade, I was like king of the class in drawing. I could draw the Chicago Bulls logo better than anybody else. And then this kid comes in. It is important. It was like my, you know, it was like my economic share. Like this is what I have to bring to the table. (laughs) And uh, I can draw a great Chicago Bulls and a a pretty good North Carolina logo too. And, uh, but uh, anyway, this kid comes in one day and he blows me away. And I hated his guts at first, but eventually he just brought the best out. And so we started to compete. So I, there is some weird thing about, I don't know, proving yourself or I, I don't know what it is. But um, but I, I also... There's actually another... I'm oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, it's such an important ingredient, too, in your kid is having one other person who's into the same thing you are, totally. but does it slightly better or about the same. And yeah. you guys compete and you keep giving each other reasons to get better. And yep. sometimes you never have that. So, but I remember those kids by name, you know, the ones Me who were in my Justin, primary school. Justin, I still know you. <laughs> what are you, can you draw? Are you an illustrator? I'm beating you. It's, it's amazing though, isn't it? How you kind of, you need those people. And actually, uh, yeah. when I'm talking to people about, um, you know, there, there are, I teach at an art school. I teach a class, and uh, there are things mm-hmm. about art school that I think are completely brilliant. But when someone asks me if they, if I think they should go to art school, there's only certain circumstance where I will say yes. I, you know, there has to mm. be a certain. It has to make sense on a lot of like if like if uh, if I say, well, how are you going to pay for it? If they say my parents are going to pay for it and they want me to go to the best school, then I'm like, go do it. Mm. There's some fantastic yeah. situations there. 
The thing I usually say though is do whatever you have to do. Figure out the, the, the most efficient way to be around the people that are doing the thing that you want to do. Nothing, nothing mm. matters more. And I think yeah. I told college, my, the college I work at, most of this technical stuff, people could find it for free online or next to nothing. So, but there's still a lot of success stories coming out of art school. So what is the secret sauce? I think it's proximity. Proximity around yeah. these people competing and, you know, I, that's always been a big factor for me. Um, no, me too. Yeah. I need to have those people around me um, just standing shoulder to shoulder doing the same work and yeah. looking looking over at their easel and seeing what they're doing. And it's that for me was an essential part of growing. Yes. Um, but uh, maybe not for everybody. Some people, they can maybe, maybe they're self-motivated enough that they can just move on and do it. But I'm not one of those people. I you know, I mean, now I am just out of necessity at yeah, kind of yeah. working alone, but, but that's different. You know, um, yeah, I have different reasons to have to work now and to try and produce and to try and be good at what I do. Yeah. Those reasons didn't exist when I was 19. And it becomes a, a discipline, I think, you know, I, yeah. I'm so much more of a disciplined person than I ever imagined I would have been, you know, 10 years ago, just the, keeping that motivation fresh and trying to like compete and all that stuff was really important where now it's just a rhythm. I just, I'm naturally driven to come up with new things and work hard and all that. And it's just become a rhythm to what I do. Um, but what's interesting about what we do for a living too, is I think that, um, it does get to become sort of an addiction and I, you know, you have to be actually careful about that because, yes, yes. um, I enjoy what I do so much sometimes. I mean, there are stretches where I'm working on something and I love it so much that I really do truly neglect everything else in my life, yes. and that's a huge problem. So I have to really watch myself. Yeah. How do you? Uh, you know, I have the obviously have the same problem, and it's a battle. And I've learned some things to combat that. Um, have you learned anything that will get you out of that zone? Uh. Well. Okay. Guilt. Guilt is great. Yes. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah. That's totally. And true. if it weren't for me feeling guilty about not being around, you know, my five-year-old son and my yes. seven-year-old daughter, it's like when I, if I, if ever I do too much work in a, a stretch yeah. of two or three days, and um, they're so honest, like my son will say, "Daddy, we never see you." He'll say <laughs> stuff like that. As soon as it's they, like my you whole hear heart that, you're like, into oh pieces," Cats and I'm like, "That's cradle. it. I'm quitting my job. I'm never going to work again." You know. Yes. Um, so guilt, guilt is really important. Uh, totally. And then also scheduling is important, like having a regular workday schedule and yeah. also having an office outside of home. So I, yep. you know, I work somewhere where I'm not, a, I don't work at home, except yeah. that we just made the mistake of, we bought a house recently where I do have a home office. So it's so tempting to go in there and be like, ah, I got to fiddle with this. I got to check my emails that's, or something. You know, I got to be yeah. really careful. So um, that's interesting. I, I've always had a home office and it's pretty separate. Um, and I, and I don't think, um, like getting, being productive isn't a problem for me. I think that's what a lot of people think is that the problem at working from home is that you're not going to be productive. I'm super, I'm more productive. I think working here because it's here. The real downside is the lack of separation from home and office. That's, that's the challenge. Um, I really enjoy having an office outside of home because it, it only serves one purpose. Yeah. It's just I'm there to work, and then when I'm not there, I have to be a different person because I don't have the option to work, and I think that's healthy yeah. for me. But a lot that's, of people don't need that. I'm just speaking for myself. I definitely, uh, I definitely, that resonates with me. I think the thing, my problem is, 
there's something a little bit fantastic about uh, making a living doing illustration. It's like creating something from nothing. There's n- you can yeah. the lack of overhead is uh, is just. I think early I'm so I can be so scrappy and early on I was so (laughs) DIY of like how do you just get this thing how you know I like the idea of like breaking into new markets and and just like I love that and so there's part of me that's just like I'm so I'm like man that's a very uh I think ethereal might be the right word like this concept of like separation from home and work it's like that for like 500 bucks a month like that's a weird concept to pay for like so it's it's just i don't know it's a stretch for me for some reason i don't know but uh well see uh yeah for me i don't have to pay anything that's why it's oh, really well, great that's good. I, I work on the on the campus where i teach so they they nice. let me have that's an office cool. which is just really generous and i love it but that's great um, but but what you were just talking about with breaking into new markets and you say yeah you're excited about that and it's, it's an amazing yeah. thing but that that makes me think of something I just did, talked about recently, which was um, how how people don't feel that people want to do something, right? Uh, yeah. So I want to be a I want to illustrate for in the book market. I've been doing editorial, but I, now I want to do books, or maybe they haven't done anything yet, but they want to do books, and then they but they don't actually go through the trouble of figuring out how to do that by asking artists who currently work in that market, or yeah. by doing some reading, or. Or creating and all they a do new body of work is, that's what? relevant, or you know, being well, yeah, in, yeah, in the right place. That's important. Yeah. But, um, but I always am scratching my head all the time, wondering why people are so scared to just ask these questions or go figure it out. Yeah, and um, I think it. This is just a theory I have, but um, I'm worried that in school and at a young age. Uh, I'm talking mostly about people who are the people I'm talking about who have this problem yeah, are yeah. people who are like just getting out of school now or who I've been teaching in the past few years. I see the same thing too. Yeah, and I think I think there's something that's either it's just not part of your life so much that you have to dig mm-hmm. to learn stuff yeah. because the internet gives you these super quick answers to everything. So if you don't get an immediate answer to a question and it's it. Through That's through a really direct, yeah, through like a direct questioning uh, route or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't, if I if I can't basically, if I can't get the answer from Siri, how do I become yes. a book illustrator? Yeah. Then it's too intimidating to have to go around and through and under and get to the information I need. Or maybe that's a life skill that or, no longer is being developed. Uh, so I have a lot to say about this because uh, it's very relevant to me doing the podcast um, because I realized that a valuable skill of mine was um, – so the, the class I teach is on self-promotion, right? And um, okay. I think Good. a lot of the resources out there – about promoting yourself as an illustrator um, are really limited. They're really limited in their view. They're n- and, and even um, if you look in the world of marketing, there's only a few mm-hmm. people that have done the deep work to figure out what's actually working now. And so mm-hmm. what I've realized is my willingness to, to beat my head against the wall until I can connect things that is more valuable than almost anything that I'm doing. And so, yeah, which, that is. Which, and, and actually, I think the, the point you're making, I think it might even go back to this. There's, it's almost, it's hard to come up with a question that you can't find an answer for on Google. So if you have a question, 
that, that it doesn't come up on Google, you think, oh, that must be the wrong question, or I must not be able to, uh-huh. or, or that's, there's not an answer to that. It's like, uh-huh. that's actually the fascinating stuff. That's the stuff yeah. where like, yeah. no, I have to make the connections. And I've realized I'm building out a, uh, an online course. Um, and it's some of the things I've learned through doing the podcast, some of the things from teaching the self-promotion class. And as I'm working through it, I'm like, there, you know, I'm making connections from marketing and business and other things that I've learned, but a lot of it is purely stuff that I've tested myself, that I came up with these ideas, tried them, some of them work, some of them don't. And uh, there's, a, um, there's, a, there's an author named Cal Newport, and he hmm. wrote the book, um, Be So Good That They Can't Ignore You, or something like that, which is based on a Steve Martin quote, hmm. actually. And uh, he has a new book, hmm. which I haven't read, but I've, I've heard him talk about it, called Deep Work. And he talks about how in the newest economy, the only thing that the real commodity that's really going to blow people away is your ability to do deep work which means not distracted. It means fully engaged, like really problem solving. And the fact yeah. of the matter is so few people are able to do it these days. Like, well, I mean, geez, the, the, distra- the, le- the number of distractions that exist now, as opposed to 12, 15 years ago, it's not even comparable. I mean, it's, inc- it's incredible. Yes, it is. I, I mean, I find myself too, just having to turn everything off or I'm, I'm I just know. can't get anything done. I mean, the, just emails. Emails are uh, terrible, know, but man. that's how we communicate. So, have you read uh, the Stephen Pressfield book, the um, what are the, the the War of Art? Have you heard of that? No. So it's a really yeah. interesting book. He talks about um, the he calls it the resistance. And when I first started reading that book, I didn't. It didn't really resonate with me. I thought, well, I don't know if this is really a true thing for me. But the resistance is there. Everything in the world is against you making your work and you have to be aware of it or you're not going to get anything done. And, and so before I read that, I never really noticed that. And after mm. the fact, I've realized when I go down to do some writing or some brainstorming for the podcast or trying to come up with a new product, something that's going to take my full energy, yeah. right when I sit down, I get a phone call, I get an email, I get 18 things that are are begging me not to do the work where I'm actually focusing. Um, yeah. Or you'll throw on something like a podcast, which I think is great for like when you're doing your coloring work in illustration. Yeah, yeah. But not so great when you're trying to think, you know? No, I, I have to think in silence. I cannot do it unless it's or maybe some quiet Mozart or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Otherwise, forget it. It just can't be done. You, you yeah. cannot do it. Um, and uh, I, feel, I feel really, really sad for a lot of the people who are coming up now into the world um, who've grown up with all these distractions and are so used to it that maybe they don't even notice if they are giving their full attention to something. They might think they're giving their full attention to something when, to them, their idea of what we we would consider anyway your full attention or your deep attention is is a very different idea. But I could be wrong. They also might just be conditioned to... To thrive Lock in that it environment. Out? I don't know. Yeah, who I knows? don't know. I'm not them. But, yeah, totally. Um, but that was my case was I wasn't even realizing how distracted I was until I identified it. Um, so let me ask you that's this. That's hugely important. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Uh, when you first started, um, 
and you were like when you first went out on your own and as an illustrator, how have your income streams differed from that point to where you are now? So you know, so when I first started, I was just doing job to job, um, mm-hmm. and the, all the all the jobs were very different, and and but they were pretty much job to job. Um, did you start that way? Yeah, that was, I mean, I was an editorial illustrator. That was right. 99% of my income was editorial. So I was doing a ton of uh, um, alt-weeklies and newspapers and regional magazines and a couple of nationals and yeah. just mixing it all up and doing that week after week after week. And, was there, you know, I had... Yeah, was that working or was it good or were there bad Yeah, things? it worked. I, I, the, the, well, I got to it, but there I did get to a point where... I couldn't do it anymore because I, or rather, I could do it, but I I couldn't make more money. You hit a ceiling, so like right. The first I hit the ceiling. So the first five years, I grew every year, and everything was great. And then I got to this point, and it was around two thousand nine when I did the games. Yeah, yeah. That um, I looked at my income from the previous year. I looked at my income for that year, and it was like maybe five or six thousand dollars more. But that was it. And I was like, okay, wait, you know. We uh, just had a kid. Yep. Um, I need to make more money. So, but I couldn't. I'm not. I'm one person. I couldn't possibly yeah. do it without cloning myself. And I already work super, super quick. I was doing yes. like two or three jobs sometimes a day. Yep. Um, and the money wasn't. The money wasn't getting any better. The mm-hmm. money did not change. The first time I did an illustration for any publication was 2003, and the budget hasn't changed today. For that, I mean, it's it's that yeah. twelve years later, or now it's thirteen years later. Nothing. Yeah. There's no improvement. So, so that's scary. Yeah, um, that is not fantastic. No, Naturally, so I, I think was, this I was is, totally aware of that, so I had to make a change. And yeah. this is part of the uh, the mindset shift that, and everybody, everybody, you know, there are people that are considered to be technicians in the field that they're going to hammer out the same type of work day and after day and day and 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 that's fine and they and if they're making that work that's fine but the thing that i try to challenge is the mindset that says um the thing that made you an illustrator is a different set of skills than growing your business into different places because i think a lot of people find themselves hitting that ceiling where it's like I'm making this work. The only other thing I could do to make this better is if I had a clone. And so mm-hmm. at some point, you have to think a little bit further outside of the box, right? And so nowadays, yeah. wh- how many income streams do you have going? So now I have, um, well, I got, okay. If you one don't thing mind is, me asking, uh, I guess. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. No, I got, I've got teaching. I've got prints and apparel for yep. sale through Society6 and InPrint. Um, I've got the, the illustration work that I do for the editorial market. Yep. I've got pic- picture book work, which is my own writing. So I'm the author and the illustrator, which means I yeah. get more of the royalties. Um, and, uh, then I've got this Photoshop brush business, which has expanded from not just Photoshop brushes, but just this past week, I released a set of. Uh, what I call an impasto kit, so you can emulate um, I saw that. the it looks thick amazing. wet paint. Thank you. That I'm really proud of that. Um, yeah. And that's actually going to expand also into online courses in how to use my brushes for digital painting and for emulating natural media. So, mm. so those are the five things. You know, some do better than others, but there's always something out there in the world making me money, even if I'm sleeping. And yes. that's my goal. Is my goal is to keep that. 
I want that business model to sustain me all the way through quote unquote retirement, whatever that means for an artist. Totally. And I, uh, you know, recently. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I forgot one. Go ahead. Come on. Because <laughs> it's very new. This is yeah. very new. But only in the last calendar year, I've started doing consulting, um, uh, specifically on improving digital tools for other people's software and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And actually, uh, you know, this is about you, not me, but I can quickly say I, I teach a class, I get a little bit of money from the podcast, I get money for consulting and, and uh, art coaching, I get money for editorial yeah. work, I do advertising work, I do prints. And uh, did, you, um, did you get out of the gate and run in 10 different directions at the same time, or did you kind of bite off chunks as you went along? Let me think about that. I, I feel like I did the former. I feel like I went in too many directions at once just to right. see what would work, like yeah, throwing yeah. stuff against the wall. But um, yeah, and I think I, I think I did a little bit of that. But once the let me think, what? How did I start zeroing in on stuff? Um, I think teaching is what got me to slow down a bit and then right. be more focused. Um, that was a dedicated part of every week. Yeah. yeah, those hours were those hours were spoken for. I was forced to be more efficient with my other work, so I yeah, could make yeah. time for the teaching and the other work, and not make one cancel the other out. You'd be surprised on. how much you can tight, tighten up things. Like I've done that. Yeah, I I when you start teaching, surprised. you're like, okay, I just lost uh, a day a week, but I have to make the right. same amount of work. So yeah, it's actually a good like experiment. Right. I did the same thing. It was. It was good. Um, but that was, I think, that was probably the point where I was very good about or had to become good at and learn the skill of sitting down and planning, saying, okay, in the next two months, yeah. I'm going to do, like, a couple of dummies for picture books and send them to my agent. Yes. And I'm going to also keep the other stuff flowing, but I'm also going to turn away anything yeah. that I think is whatever. You know, that kind of stuff, like making plans. And now I'm starting to plan more like every every quarter. I'm like, what am I trying to accomplish this quarter with this part of the business, with that part of the business? And it's it's tricky. I'm not like I didn't go to school for that, you know? Yeah, totally. But, no, I totally but I'm trying to that. make that happen. And actually, yeah. uh, I, tr- I think one of the difficulties I find um, when, when, in, when trying to parse out any wisdom on anything – I think um, that one of the tricky things is understanding how to communicate the nuance of seasons. And so I think early on in the podcast, I was talking a lot about focusing on one thing. And I think Mm -hmm. some people took that as you should just have one thing in your career that you do. And when I realized what I was saying was, really, I think it's important to kind of tackle one thing at a time. I think what I did early on was I went in a billion different directions. I dipped my toes in a thousand swimming pools and tried all (laughs) kinds of different things. But what I realized is anything that was uh, worth doing that where you actually made a significant achievement required a significant investment. And so you, so Uh, I I, I think I got to that same point where I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on my advertising illustration stuff. And I'm going to focus on that until that starts to feel like it's up and running. And then when I'm starting to Mm. get that kind of like, okay, that's no longer challenging. And I feel like it's happening. I'm going to focus on something else. And it, it happens less maybe conscious than that. But, uh, Mm. I do think that I think the end goal for a lot of people to be thriving, 
where you can, if you want to support a family, if you want to have a retirement, you're going to have to think about how to diversify those income streams because I have a hard time imagining somebody thriving their entire life on editorial illustration alone and retiring. I can't imagine. I know some people who've sort of done it, but man, do they work a lot. Yes. And they ha- and obviously I they have to not only be prolific, they have to be in demand. They have to keep in demand. Yeah. It yeah. is a it is a serious stressor. Yes. I mean, because also the deadlines have never changed. It's always like we need this tomorrow, we need this tomorrow, right. we need this tomorrow and I I just got tired of that. I still do it, but I do it, you know, much more selectively and I think I'm healthier for it because and the other thing is like you can't even take vacations really mm. when you're on editorial schedule oh, yeah, all the time totally. unless you just decide you're not going to say yes to work at all exactly. for a week or whatever. It's it's tough. That's totally true. And are there any other benefits other than uh money that come from having all these different types of plates spinning at the same time? I I actually don't think I would have been able to get a book published if it weren't for the passive income because it did Mm. give me that peace of mind where I said, okay, well, if I don't say yes to work for the next three weeks, Mm. which is what I did to finish my picture book, um, I just didn't do any other work. I just did the final paintings for that. Um, And even just getting it written and getting it, you know, like having, having the time to even generate the idea for the book came from me having downtime. Yeah, having um, some margin to actually... Yeah. Be, I think, you know, thinking and brainstorming and being creative, it rarely happens when you're in grinding survival mode. You know, it's... Never, never, exactly. never. Yeah. I never have... I don't have the brain space to be thinking about cool stuff when I'm trying to... Stay yeah, up all night exactly, on a deadline and all that jazz. You're, you know, so... No. I, so, yeah, so in creative fact, like with the, margin. Right, right. And, and and the brushes are interesting because the brushes business does it does that um what am I trying to say? It's creating it's creating the margin. Yeah. And then during that and then I'm, while I have that time to think, I'm creating more stuff that's gonna perpetuate that same thing and yes. and even build more yeah, of a buffer yeah. because um like this recent set that I released, I, I tinkered with it for probably, you know, I don't know, four or five months on yeah. and off, and then the last thirty days it's basically all I did day in and day out. I probably took on two assignments in that yep. whole stretch of time, and they were just like spot illustrations for a magazine. I think but, another thing about having you know, that clarity um, with your focus in any given season means that when you have that downtime, you know what you're working on. And that's one of the things that I yes. see too is like, I don't have anything to do, and I don't know what to do. And, as I, and I think having an idea of what this period of time in is f- in terms of like, the stuff you're planting for the future is really can be really valuable. I, I found that to be true for myself. In terms yeah, of, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, like, go ahead. No, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm sure. Like me, you, you probably know what you're doing in February already. Like, yeah, you totally. have a, some yeah. kind of general plan. I do. You yes, know, I, I, I want to make my next picture book. <laughs> yep, I've got. Yeah, I'm working on a class. I'm, you know, I'm working on a class, and I've I've got a few other uh, little things in the background. And I'm planning out the podcast in advance. Like you probably have ideas about what's next for the brush set, and you know what what are the ones yep. I'm gonna have in the future. Um, which that helps. That means you're efficient. You're doing. You know, you're never having those moments where you're like, I just don't even. I want to make something, but I don't know what to do. Um, which I think a lot of people are in yeah. that situation more than you would uh, probably guess. Um, what about? I think so. Creative. Ener- what about just energy or emotionally? 
what does having these different arms do for you? Um, I think, uh, well, uh, lately I felt like I've been having a hard time settling down and really looking at the big picture and trying to think creatively about just what I need to do mm. next or yeah, yeah. next is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think the reason for that is because I've been too busy and something has to give. And I think that even though I talk about, you know, not taking on work from or rather assignment work or commission work so I can mm-hmm. focus on the brushes. Well, the the one downside to the brushes business is having literally 200,000 people around the world who can email me anytime they want with a question yeah. and I'm the only one who's going to answer it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wake up in the morning and there are 30 emails in my inbox yeah. with technical questions, customer service questions, complaints. I get to the office, I go teach. By the time I get back to my uh, studio to work, there are another 30 emails. Mm-hmm. And um, so... I don't mean to complain. I'm very glad that yeah, the business yeah. is oh, successful. Yeah. Fantastic. But, oh, my God, man, the, the, the hours that get sucked away from from customer service and from communication, mm. I, I need to figure out what who am I? Am yes. I am I a guy who runs a brushes business? Am I an illustrator? Am I both? Am I? And we were just talking about this earlier. Like, okay, I'm, I'm a small business. But yes. I think part of my small business needs to disappear. Yeah, yeah. Or part of my small business needs to be acquired legally and for a fair price by Adobe, and yeah, I can yeah, get on with yeah. my life because right yeah. now it's driving me. Do crazy. you hear that, Adobe? If you're listening, if you're, a <laughs> yeah, no, that no, that's true. And then, and or there, you know, there's a there's a million different ways of looking at. Um, I think there's uh, Brian Reich was talking to me about the theory from the E Myth, which says you know any business has three different types of people um, or three different mm-hmm. mindsets, which are either. The technician, which is the person making the product, you know, the expert making the art or making the brushes or whatever. Then you have the manager. Yeah. The manager ma- makes sure everything's happening as it should be happening uh, and keeping the upkeep. And then you have the uh, entrepreneur who's thinking big picture, vision, exploring new territories, expanding the business. And I think to me, it sounds like um, it might be time to hire somebody to automate that stuff. Um, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I- I think it is. I just don't know who to hire. It's really hard to think about somebody who would. It'd have to be I, I someone have to you really trust. Serious consideration. Yeah. What's that? You'd have to really trust him. Yes, yeah. big time, big yeah. time. So, but you asked, what does it do for my creative energy? I'd say yeah. my creative energy right now is a little sapped, mm. and it needs to be recharged. And so, um, I'm taking a, a nice vacation with my wife, my brother, and his wife. Great. Um, in a couple of months, but that's that's too far away. So between yeah, now yeah. and then, I'd like to take an entire week away from assignment work, away from anything other than I do have to still answer these emails from customers, of course, and keep that going. But I don't want to do any work work, so to speak, uh, huh. for a good solid week. And I think I'll come back then from that with some kind of ideas. That always happens if I go on vacation. I always get ideas. Yeah, I don't know about too. you. Totally. Get, just getting in a new place, it totally changes the, the biochemistry of, of the way that you view things. And yeah, that's actually, uh, funnily enough, when I was a kid, you know, I feel like when you're a teenager, you know, the girls are always talking about, you know, the, the girls are always talking about, uh, travel i want to travel and i'm like what do you mean you want to travel what does that mean we want to travel that's it just sounds so i don't know just <laughs> meant nothing to me but now i love traveling because it gets you in it just taking you out of the environment makes everything fresh again you just 
ever the world changes. Um, but yeah, it's definitely true for me. Have you gotten better at noticing the rhythm of your creative energy uh, as you go along? Like, because you you yes. seem like you're in touch with that already. Yeah, I can I can even feel it coming before. Uh, if I know there's going to be, I can feel yeah. a dip and a low coming weeks before it finally hits, and I just sapped, and I don't even know what to do with my with myself, and I can't draw anymore, which happens. I mean, that really does happen. Like, I, yeah. I just can't get the, the, the pen to do what I want, yeah. and I know it's because I'm just done. I, my, my brain is yeah, telling yeah. me, this is it. Get out of here. Turn so it been off able for to a while. Notice. I think that's one of the things uh, that's really valuable uh, or that people that go on to do really great stuff are observant of themselves. They notice uh, patterns, and I think pattern mm. recognition is basically what wisdom is. And so, you being able to like be observant about your emotional energy, your creative energy—that that's something that you should be perfecting all the time. Because you, yeah, I think it it, it means that you don't burn out as easily, or you notice when you need to change. I think that's uh, really interesting. Yeah, and I wasn't naturally good at that. I burned out a few times really badly yeah. um, in the last. 15, 20 years. I mean, I, I was like, whoops, okay. Yeah. You know, so it takes it takes a while to Totally. It's not something you can it, fake. But, but uh, you can try to be more observant, I think. What about teaching? Does that, how does that affect your creative energy? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Teaching, I don't, I don't ever want to stop doing that. Um, at least I can't imagine wanting to stop doing that anytime soon. Yeah. I'm not, I haven't been doing it that long. I've only been doing it for five years. So it's not, right. you know, yeah. but, um, Every time I have a good class, you know, which isn't always, obviously, but yeah, totally. If I feel like some, there was some connection that was made with even just a single student, and they, a light bulb went off, and or whatever, they made some step forward. That's a greater feeling than anything I've ever felt. Like if I yes get something published in the New Yorker or something, it's yeah. like that. That's sort of worn off. But 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 having some human connection and, and making a positive impact. It sounds very corny, but um, that really is the most uh, valuable thing I can do, professionally speaking, is, yeah. is teach. So, And actually, I've found yeah. that uh, because of seeing that light bulb moment and the way that you can affect positive change in someone else, all of a sudden that's reinvigorating your own practice. Because for me, it's like I've been tempted. I'm working on some bigger goals in my own creative work. And actually yeah. the, doing the podcast has really fueled those because I'm like, it's not just I'm not learning these lessons of how to break into the kids market or this or that just for my own benefit. Now mm-hmm. they're meaningful because what I learn, I know that's going to go affect somebody else. And I think without that arm, it can be pretty depressing to because you I think eventually you just realize like past a certain income bracket, it's no longer that fulfilling to continue to, you know, achieve things or, you know, push yourself or whatever. Um, not really. No, it's not. I mean, after that, you need some real growth for yourself. Yes. You need personal growth. You need something. You need to feel like you're doing something yep. that has some meaning outside of simply, uh, yeah, okay, I got paid for that. You know, it's just not. At some point, uh, it's yeah, not. It doesn't that. do the fix. And uh, do you, if you buy into the concept, do you consider yourself uh, an introvert or an extrovert? I'm an extrovert. Okay. I'm a people person. I, I mean, growing up, I always had to be around people. I wanted to play team sports. I wanted to, you know, join clubs and be in the band, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And actually, uh, an interesting flip to that for me is that I consider myself to be an introvert, but Mm -hmm. in the same way that if you have too much sleep, you then feel tired. If I'm alone too much, 
and I that because I'm energized by being alone, that mm-hmm. energy goes from positive energy to restlessness, and actually mm. going and being around people. I think you know I have a I would be up for arguing anybody that wanted to argue that you don't need people in your life, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. You, I, mm. I do think being an illustrator, being alone in your cave can really take a toll on not just your mental health, but the quality of your work, whether it really is in touch with life or, you know, I don't know, has any deeper undertones. Um, no, but yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and by contrast, you know, I, I do need to get away from people sometimes. Too. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so yeah. uh, I'm just trying to look through here and see if I – let's uh, – I'm going to move over. I'm going to move down to uh, – there's this concept that I have. I wrote a guest post for uh, uh, a website. I don't want to give too much information away. I never know. You know, how they're saving content. You don't want to, I don't know, let the cat out of the bag. It's not really a big deal. It's just me writing an article. But one of the topics I'm thinking about is uncovering, um, like, subplots to your career. And you definitely have gone on some some, uh, subplots alongside your illustration career. One of them, we'll we'll just go ahead and jump in. I don't know if we'll extract any value from this, but we should talk about your, uh, your gangster rap days. Or moment, <laughs> right? Tell us about that. Tell us about that story, if you don't uh, mind. <laughs> no, I don't mind. I'm, I'm always, I'm always really happy to talk about that. It's, it's a really a silly story. thing, and um, I'm, I, uh, lots of people, I think they expect me to be embarrassed by it, and no, um, no. the it's thing about good. it that I love is that it, it, it was, it, it was uh, popular. People liked yes. it, so I feel like that's a success, you know. And I never in. meant what, for it to what, be anything. What is this about? What are we talking about? Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, I, no, I, I wrote a a, uh, a rap called Original Design Gangsta, and I put it up on YouTube. Yeah. And I, I did it as a, as a just a side project because I wanted to have fun for a couple of days and yeah. wasn't working on anything, and. Um, it just went, it became one of those things that got you passed around about uh, being a graphic designer and and and, and yeah yeah sorry hip hop themes versus graphic exactly. design you themes can, and it's humorous you, you can go can check find it, it out. on it's I'll put still, a link in the it's show still there notes. on YouTube yeah it's hilarious. and you can also uh, you can also go read what Armin Vitt said about it and yeah. um, Stephen Heller yeah and, I mean yeah. this is some big names <laughs> in the business so I felt like I had accomplished something I got their attention you know yeah man and actually uh, I do think there's some interesting stuff to unearth there because. Uh, I found, you know, being able to put myself out there and, and being willing to be a person, be a, be a real person that has more than one dimension has really served mm-hmm. uh, cutting through noise. You know, like there, oh, yeah. there came a point where I was just really open about the, my guilty pleasures in terms of musical taste and, and you know, <laughs> all the just weird nuances. I think uh, – there, there, there comes a point where it's good to polarize people, even I think, because um, I'm sure. sure there are people that's that didn't what happened. Like that. People yeah. hated it and people loved it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're absolutely right. And the other thing is too, it, um, no matter what it is that you do, as long as it's not offensive. I mean, yeah, if you're not yeah. trying, you know, trying to like pull or something, be a jerk. Yeah, yeah. No, no. But, but what that also does is it springs you out of that state of um, anonymity because yes. this is a crowded business, a crowded world. And at the time I made it. I didn't yet have a name that I, you know, I wasn't, people didn't say, oh, yeah, I know him, he's an illustrator or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I was still one of those guys who was, you know, just barely kind of creeping around the edges mm-hmm. of getting into something and I was working but not enough and you know, so yes. then all of a sudden that was a springboard to being and it a almost, person who it people recognize. It doesn't matter what it is and 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 why one of the things i think about it's not the best analogy i'm actually working on coming up with a better one because it's a point that i <laughs> often try to make uh where you know so i used to go to pacer indiana pacer games all the time i'm not a sports fan at all i can't watch basketball i try when i go to the game i try <laughs> i sit every time i'm like i'm gonna watch this game five seconds later yeah. i'm looking at the cotton candy guy and like i don't know i just can't i can't do it so uh anyway my whole family is, are sports fanatics they they're obsessed but they're <laughs> they're more obsessed with being strategic right they don't want to get in a jam so even if it's the playoffs and it's down to the line we will leave 10 minutes before the game because we don't want to get in the <laughs> bottleneck situation my parents yeah, my dad traffic I, yeah he can't deal with it and so I think one of the things, the majority of sports fans, if you're a fanatic, your your strategy is how can, when the game is over, how can I respond faster and run faster to the door, but everybody else there is thinking the same thing. And so <laughs> yep. it's one of those things where you have to think a little bit. And so in our industry, so many students I see, they're just like, how can I draw better? I'll just draw better. I'm like, yeah. no, yeah. everybody's trying to draw better. Like you're gonna have to think <laughs> of something different, and you might just have to make a rap video. That might do the trick. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So I think there's some really interesting stuff there. Um, well, my 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 favorite thing about that whole experience was about a year after it came out, and it kind of not you know people still knew about it, but nobody was yeah, talking about yeah. that much. I had to go on a trip to New York, and I was on a subway uh, car, and a guy came up to me and said, "Are you the ODG?" Uh. <laughs> And I don't, oh I live in North gosh, Carolina and I went up hilarious. and I was like, this is, you just made, I told him, I was like, you just made my life. Oh and he happened to be, yeah, that's well, hilarious. but he happened to be an illustrator and, yeah, uh, he's yeah. a really great guy. Um, oh my God. But, um, so funny, you know, I, yeah, it, it was just hilarious. funny that that happened. I definitely think, um, one of the things that I'd love to be able to articulate better is you really have to give people something to sink their teeth in into other than I draw pictures. It's like, yeah, so does the sea of people. And I think uh, even more than your your gangster rap, the 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 brushes have really done that. I, I assume, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, that the brushes get you good work too as an illustrator. Just be just by they do, yeah, they do. people having something to attach to your name, you know? Well the best part about the brushes is they've helped me also to actually use other styles than than what I you know, typically would work in for whatever yes. the market is. They've expanded right. my reach with stylistically, which is something I'm always happy to do anyway, but they've made that even easier because yeah. a lot of the samples I show online show me playing around with different looks. And um, yeah, that's, that's made a true. huge difference. Yeah. And actually, uh, yeah. we can touch on that real quick before we kind of sign off. But um, I've learned that. So my style is pretty consistent, but I've learned uh, I have a spectrum of audiences that I can I can work for, uh, you know, an, a band, but I can also make kids books. And that's something yeah. that I think early on people misunderstand your artistic voice. Like uh, they think it means a specific niche, a specific market, a specific audience, all of that stuff. Whereas I think, you know, it really does help to be able to kind of cross some boundaries and it's different. Everybody Mm -hmm. has their own personal art values. 
but um, you, you've been vocal recently about uh, the benefit of trying different things. And, you know, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Now, the reason I, I, yeah, I recently wrote a little article on Medium about how I think part of the reason I've been able to make, an, and make it as an illustrator for a long time, long-ish time anyway, yeah, is because I don't stick to just one way of, of working. Yes. Um, and I think, yeah, there's always, and this is a difficult conversation to have because when you say style, some people say, okay, well, it's not really just simply the yeah, yeah. the way you choose to make an image in terms of how it looks, but it's it really what people are paying you for is how you think. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the bottom line. Yeah. I like the way that person solves a problem. Uh, I can see that they do that well. I'm going to call them. And, yeah, and then yeah. after a while, I think style just becomes a very fluid kind of thing. Mm. It's just a means to an end, really. It's just well, how do you how do you produce the same kind of work? This and people always tell me that even if they're looking at something I've done that looks kind of like an oral painting, and then something I've done that looks like a pen and ink drawing, they're like, "Yeah, I know that's you." They can see the so, voice shine throughout it, and I I think one of the interesting. I guess so I don't see it, but they do, so that's good. <laughs> I think I can, I I often see it when I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see something, and I know it's a different brush. You know, I, I but I and I know you know it might be something really uh, kid friendly or it might be something really realistic. I can usually I usually get a pretty uh, pretty good instant. I, I usually know it's you. Um, That's good. Yeah, and I I think the other side of that is understanding what you're bringing to the table in terms of skill and talent. And I think one of the things you have going is that. Um, you're you're just really good at drawing you and you you've developed Thanks. that to where it doesn't really matter that always i think that's what always shines through with you is that the drawing chops are there so you can really you can kind of improv all over around the fact that you're really making a good drawing um whereas thank I feel, you that's yeah, nice yeah i really and i always notice that i always notice that things are well well drawn well illustrated and you take a different maybe approach, but that's always there. And I feel like for me, I probably bring something to the table that's a little bit um, closer to the, uh, I might be making illustrations, but it's probably closer to the craftsmanship of a designer. And so Mm -hmm. that's a different core. So I think when you understand the core, which is maybe closer to your artistic voice, then it is a, a, a really beneficial thing to be able to, kind of sing in different octaves or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. interesting. I always just never understood the logic either. People saying you absolutely have to have this one way of working visually yes. speaking, stylistically speaking, and that's how you succeed. I always yeah, thought that yeah. just made no sense. If I can offer five different things to five different kinds of clients, why yes. wouldn't I? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. And I think, um, again, maybe it's a misunderstanding of, uh, Style is just one example of how to show that you can be consistent. So you you yeah, show that you yeah. can be consistent through a lot of different things. And like I said, one of the ones I notice is that everything's always rendered well. So they know they're going to get that. Um, and so I think you can do you can be consistent without it being this particular consistent thing um, because you, they have to trust you. Yeah, that's the thing. They have to trust you. Yeah. yeah, that's of course that's the bottom line. Is to, are they putting in your hands the responsibility of making whatever it is they're paying you? Yeah, yeah. make it, you got to make them look good, you know. Exactly. So if they know you can do that, they 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 loosen the grip a little bit, and you have I some freedom. That, yeah, that's totally true. Well, I I've like had a complete blast, uh, you know, <laughs> circling around and ruminating Likewise. on these topics. It was a really good time. Um, thank you for your time, man. I know it's really valuable. 
Thank you. You, you know, that was a great conversation. Anything? I really enjoyed it. What's yeah, that? me too. Sorry, I'm sorry, man. I get so excited that I'm cutting people <laughs> off all the time. I try to just, I try to figure it out. It, it, it gets messy, so I'm sorry about no, it's, that. It's uh, fine. But uh, I just get too excited. And uh, But I loved hearing all your thoughts on all this stuff. And uh, do you have anything you want to add before we move on and, and say our final goodbyes? Yeah, I would say to people who are listening, if you are just sort of right there getting started, um, be really brave and uh, don't be afraid to approach the people who you want to work with or the people who you want to be like uh, who are working a certain way. I mean, just like go to Icon, for example. Go, yes. go, to, go yes. be present. Go Absolutely. be present. Be part of the industry. Don't hold yourself up in a little room and never come out. I mean, you have to meet people and talk to people. We're human beings. And I think the Internet's great, but the Internet is keeping us from actually connecting with each other yes. in the real world sometimes. And that can lead to it being difficult to get anywhere. I, I Most of the opportunities in my life have come from face-to-face meetings of some kind. Yes. And actually, uh, you know, the waves crash back and forth. And I think an interesting thing now is like, with the internet being so prevalent, so ubiquitous, it's like, actually, most of the values in real life, like now it's switched back. Yeah. You know, it's just the kind of ebb and flow of the way things work. But uh I totally yeah. support that. You need to go be around these people. You're never going to feel ready, especially when you're beginning. And you're going to make mistakes. And that, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. Thank you, Kyle. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Andy. Oh, man. That was so good. Kyle, thank you so much for being on the show and taking out some time to chat with me. Uh, I really do believe that this is going to be a super encouraging and helpful episode for the illustrators and designers out there that listen to this podcast. Kyle, you are awesome. I appreciate you so much. I'm glad that there's someone out there working as hard as you're working and, and just, you know, I, I think it's a tough game in a lot of ways, what we do. And, um, I think that you just seem to continually, Pep yourself up to go out there and do fantastic things. And so thank you so much for all you do for all of us. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, it means so much to me, honestly. Um, it, it's been an amazing thing to do this podcast. You know, I've been doing it for um, a little over a year. And we're at, I think, episode 78. Um, and... It's been a life-changing experience to be a part of this with you guys and get to know all of you um, and get to be a part of um, your lives and see you know, the iTunes reviews that you guys have given me. Um, so many of you have reached out and said that this podcast has been a big part of your creative journey, and that is extremely humbling, and it gives me such a sense of fulfillment and and pouring my time and energy into this and honestly you know without any hype this thing has been uh such a uh privilege to do because um you know the truth of the matter is i struggled for several years really really struggled in my creative career and uh there was a lot of sincere pain real pain um real 
uh, hardship to uh, to a degree early on of trying to get this thing off the ground and it being really tough and uh, you know being able to do all these things and share these things with you mean that um, it feels like all of that's not wasted and I can see purpose in that and so um, thank you guys for all the feedback. Um, I just super appreciate it. I hope that the show just continues to get better and better for you guys. Thank you guys so much. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. I love that music. Yoni, if you're out there listening, I... Man, I'm so happy to have that music on the podcast. Thanks to our proud syndicate, Illustration Age. Thank you, Thomas James, and all that you do. Thanks to the music from the freemusicarchive.org. We have the show, or the song Aninon by Cosmic Slop. If you love the show and it's helped you in any way, please consider reviewing it on iTunes. That really does mean a lot to me, and it helps us grow. If you can financially support the show, um, just a dollar a show or $2 a show or $5, patreon.com slash creative pep talk. Thanks to you guys. You guys really make it easy to do this show. Thanks for listening. I really think that uh, success as a creative person isn't about inspiration. It's not about talent. It's about discipline. And I think discipline takes getting yourself motivated and inspired on a daily basis and that's what this show is all about so do whatever you got to do to stay pepped up thanks guys